celebrity Let your weary mind be free And someone kind of famous who you can't see It's time for sleeping with celebrity Hello, sleepyheads, and welcome to Sleeping with Celebrities. I'm John Moe. I'm glad you're here. On this audio program, as always, we invite our guests to step out of the limelight and step into the nightlight. On this show, for this one bedtime, we don't want them to bring their A-game. We wish them to bring their Z-game. It's a podcast where you can sleep, you can simply relax, maybe you can lie down in the grass outside. Take a break from stress and intensity. Just ahead, we'll be sleeping with Gary Gullman, and he's going to tell us about his neighborhood. But before all that, I invite you to settle in and get comfortable while I tell you about another show on the Maximum Fun Network. Sleepyheads, I wish to tell you about another podcast here on the Maximum Fun Network. Maximum Film! I got excited there because there's an exclamation point at the end of the name of this program. Maximum Film is the long-running Max Fun movie review show with hosts, comedian Ify Wadaway, a.k.a. the Buff Black Nerd, film critic Alonzo Duralde, a.k.a. the Christmas Zaddy, and producer and film festival programmer Drea Clark, a.k.a. the Queen of the Midwest. Why, they just celebrated their 300th episode by discussing the film 300 and brought back OG hosts April Wolf and Ricky Carmona. The show seeks to highlight marginalized voices while also giving a diverse perspective on mainstream movies. This is a movie review show that isn't just a bunch of straight white dudes. The show reviews a new film each week while also discussing the latest issues in the film industry. While the conversations go deep, the show is also hilarious, raunchy, and infectiously silly. The name of this program again? Maximum Film! Exclamation point. And now... Our guest, Gary Gullman. Gary Gullman is a comedian, an author, and a former accountant and football scholarship haver. He may have first come to your attention as a contestant on the reality show Last Comic Standing, where, as a finalist in the second and third seasons, he stood quite a lot. Gary has a book coming out, which one can pre-order right now, entitled Misfit, Growing Up Awkward in the 80s. Gary's been a comedy mainstay for the past 25 years and has appeared on all of the shows. Think of a show. Gary has been on that show, including one of the most coveted slots, HBO specials. Even though I find it hard to believe he ever was Actually awkward, as the subtitle of his book says, I'm delighted he'll be sleeping with us tonight. Gary Gullman, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for, thanks for having me, John. I, I enjoy talking to you, so I'm, I'm glad we get to do this again. 
Me too. You know, we like to start our bedtime conversations here with a question or two about sleep itself. Are you somebody who falls asleep easily? Yes, but I also must say that I I have an advantage in that one of the one of the medications I I take one of the antidepressants I take has a has a side effect of of drowsiness so wow um, it, it acts as a, a, a bit of a sleep aid so that's that's been very helpful but I I will say that for most of my life I've been very lucky to be able to to get to sleep without much effort what's the best night of sleep that you've ever had oh that is a great question i think i think the night i recorded the the special hbo's the great depression i think which was about june 23rd of 2019 it it was just about five years in the making from the time I got sick to the time I recorded it. And I remember just being so relieved that it went well and that people came and that we were happy with what we recorded. And I just, I, I fell asleep with a, with a smile on my face. And mm. I, I mean, I've done that a lot, but that, that was particularly special just because it was the, the culmination of, of so much effort and so much struggle. Do you always sleep in the same position? Uh, I would say that when I'm on the road, I probably sleep on my on my stomach, and when I'm at home with my wife, I I enjoy the the uh, spoon position. So that would be the the only difference, and that I sleep on my side when I'm uh, with my wife. Well, Gary, I understand we're going to go on a little tour of your neighborhood today. Yes, yes. I'm, what what yeah. part of the world do you live in? I live at 139th Street and Malcolm X Boulevard in in Harlem, sort of right, right along between Fifth Avenue and Malcolm X slash, some people call it Lenox, but I think, I think my sign says Malcolm X Boulevard, but it's also Lenox. All right. So... Shall we describe it in normal ways, or shall we describe it as if we are actually going for a walk side by side and you're touring me around? Well, I, th- I think that I, I think that it would be easier if I just told you okay. about my, the, the routes to my favorite to my favorite spots. All right. Well, yeah. Gary, I would love to hear about the routes to your favorite spots in, in your neighborhood. So um, so maybe this is a, a wonderful time for our listeners, our sleepyheads, to close their eyes and go for a walk in Gary's neighborhood as, as he tells us about those routes. Okay. So I start, for instance, I started today at about, at about 10.30, I think. I, I've been up for a while, and then I went to play basketball at the, at the park, Colonel Young Park, which is at 143rd. So I, I took the elevator down and then I walked t- through the, the gate at 140th Street. 
um, or rather 141. There's, uh, yeah, so at 141st, and then I had my basketball, and I dribbled past a a, a storage building that mm. is also a car wash. There's a car wash in there, and that's pretty cool. And then I walked past, in this same building is also a school. So I walked past a lot of kids playing playing outside on a street that had been cordoned off so kids from the school can play outside. And they frequently wave to me, especially if I am dribbling two basketballs at the same time, which I frequently do. I bring two basketballs. And some people say it's very unselfish, but it's actually quite selfish because I bring the extra basketball in case somebody else wants to shoot and I don't, so I don't have to share with them. So it's, I guess it's a little bit unselfish, but it's also very selfish. Are you walking by the car wash and storage facility and school dribbling two basketballs at once? Frequently, frequently. What, What do the children say? Some of them are amazed and some of them wave and some of them point and I try to smile, but I'm also conscious about the fact that they're not supposed to talk to strangers. So I, 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 I'm careful not to say anything. <laughs> and then, and then I pass that and, and that's very nice. But also on the other side is an armory. So it's a national guard center and armory so i passed by that and that's heavily heavily gated and i passed that and then sometimes i see men and women in in army camouflage which is kind of interesting i will say that at no point has anyone in army camouflage ever said hello to me or even nodded at me which i don't know how to take that maybe they're Mm. uh they're always on on guard is it one of those armories that has a, a tank that you think a tank shouldn't really be there? <laughs> no, There's, okay. there are no tanks. It seems to be a, a facility for training the National Guard, perhaps, in, okay. in other areas besides tank warfare. All right. There, are, yeah. there is a tank brigade standing by. In- yeah even though it's near Brigadier General Charles Young Playground. Yeah. It's it's actually Colonel Young. Colonel, Colonel Young. I think. But it mm. might be General. Okay. I'm not sure. Is it, For uh, some reason, I think it's Colonel, Colonel Young Playground. All right. Well, we, we can call it Colonel Young Playground. Yeah. That's yeah. what I would call it, but it may be General. And oh. then as, as you get to... The playground there is there's a big there's a fence around a little chain link fence and then the first thing you see is a, a big wall which has four courts for either handball or hitting a hitting a tennis ball sometimes i see men and women hitting tennis balls against the wall and practicing and it always reminds me of the same joke by by the late mitch hedberg who used to say that no matter how hard he practiced tennis, he could never be as good as a wall. And 
<laughs> and I always, I mean, it seems to be, wouldn't you not think of it one time? I think of it every time and I think of him and I, and I, and I miss him. And then, so to the left of there, as you walk down the, the, the nice area, uh, pathway, there are, there are benches. And then to the left, there are, there are three basketball courts with two hoops with glass backboards on each, which if you told me as a kid that someday I would have access to glass backboards, six of yeah. them within, within, I would say, I think it's 0.3 miles from my, from my home. I would, I would think that I was king because I grew up playing on these, these uh, yellow backboard. They were steel or a combination of different metals. They had yellow backboards and red rims, and they had poles that were right underneath the, the backboard. So you had to be very careful that your follow through didn't take you into the, into the pole. Whereas these, these hoops, the poles that keep up the basketball court are not even on the basketball court. They're incredibly safe and they have glass backboards. And, and the interesting thing about this particular court in New York City is that four out of the six nets, on, or rather five out of the six nets, I think, on the hoops, I, I put up with my, with my wife. My wife brought... Um, a chair and I got on the chair and then we turned over a, a, one of those steel trash cans. I turned them over and, and I climbed on top and I, and I replaced the nets because the nets were, in some cases, there were only like three strands still hanging on the, on the rim. And I, and I felt that that it's not as enjoyable aesthetically to play basketball without a, without a net. And I got really good nets and they've been there for, almost three years. I think it'll be three years in, in July. So I'm very proud of those those nets because they're so durable. And and so I, today I played basketball for an hour on the, the hoop closest to the entrance, but frequently I play on the one farthest from the entrance. It's de it depends on what time of day I go, but usually I go in the morning and there are only, only a few people there playing when you say you play are you are you just shooting on your own are you playing one-on-one -on -one? sleepyheads it is time once again to tell you about another podcast here on the maximum fun network greatest trek is a watch-along podcast covering all the new star trek shows like discovery lower decks picard and Prodigy. The hosts, Adam and Ben, are a couple of funny guys who used to work in film and television production, so they bring a unique blend of cinema studies and potty humor to the show. Episodes come out every Tuesday covering the previous week's new release, and they've already covered all the previous seasons of new Star Trek Plus, they run interviews and reviews of comic books and other ancillary media. It is all on The Greatest Trek, available on Maximum Fun or wherever you get podcasts. When you say you play, are you, are you just shooting on your own? Are you playing one-on-one? -on -one? I play a game of uh, frequently 
I play by myself. Today I played by myself and I play this game, which is a, a game that I designed where I play one-on-none, uh, full court. And oh. one, team, one team can only shoot from the left side of the court and the other team can only shoot from the right side of the court. And the first team to 100 wins. And you play by twos and threes. But I've concocted all different kinds of rules for shooting threes because they're so valuable that if you miss two of them in a row, you have to shoot from two-point land and make two in a row before you're allowed to shoot any more three-pointers. So it's, it's, it's very fun, and it usually takes me about 35 minutes to make, to make it to 100 points. Is, are these intricate and uh, specific rules a way of keeping your mind occupied so that it doesn't go to places you don't want it to? Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. It's mostly to make the game last at least a half hour and, mm. and also to make sure that one team does not, uh, does not have an unfair ad- advantage but also, I, I think it's it's uh, very possible that subconsciously I designed all these rules to keep my mind occupied. Frequently I do it without listening to music, but sometimes I'll listen to music. Do you ever do you ever prefer one team over the other? Do you root for one and get mad at the other? Well, yes, because I usually select the teams based on who the Celtics are playing. So right now the Boston Celtics are in a playoff series with the Miami Heat. And interestingly enough, the Celtics are winning most of the games in my league and have not won one game against the Miami Heat in the in the actual league. And mm. the interesting thing, and I know this had nothing to do with it. I'm 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 fully grounded, but on Friday, I played a game before I went away. And during that game, the Celtics were ahead by 31 points in the, in the, going into the second half. And they lost by five points in that, in that game. They missed so many shots. And there are certain things to help the losing team in the game that I play. For instance, if they make, if they make um, a 25-foot three-pointer they get a free throw afterwards so they can yeah so if you can if you can get behind and shoot really well there's a pretty good chance you may make a comeback but it's never been that that one-sided that they made a 31 point comeback anyhow two days later the celtics got blown out in miami now i had nothing to do with it of course but i thought it was very very interesting that the the miami heat broke my heart twice and in three days and one of them they weren't even involved in so they had no idea they were doing so yeah yeah so does do the boston celtics Celtics, the celtics won today okay all right that's good news um good news have you considered writing the rules for your game of one-on-none and distributing it as a pamphlet to boys and girls clubs i want to distribute it and I hadn't thought about actually putting it down in the in the because 
here's the thing, I want to tell all the kids who come there and play by themselves this really fun game that I invented, but I'm, I'm not sure how to go about it. But what you just said is a really great idea and, and maybe I'll, I'll put it on my, because I, I do have a couple of friends who are involved in, in coaching basketball and do camps and things like that. And, and a guy who teaches form shooting on Instagram who, who I've exchanged um, messages with. So that, I think that's a really good idea. Okay. Okay. Um, is, are the Celtics the team that always shoots from the left or they're the ones that shoot from the right? They, they always shoot from the left. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know why. That's, well, you know, every team needs its identity, I suppose. <laughs> um, I hadn't thought about that. All right. So you've been down at the, you've been down at the park shooting some one-on-none. Yeah. And uh, what what are some other parts of your neighborhood you'd like to take us to? Well, I really like the 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 area at 135th Street and and Malcolm X because there there is this really great hospital there with a really great mural of of African American nurses and doctors i mean it's it's enormous and it's on the it's on the windows and and it, it's just a, a very beautiful m- mural and then right across the street is the schomburg center which is which is a very important library and research center for for african-american studies and and it's it's a beautiful library that it has a, a lot of also a, a lot of different conferences and, and conventions. And they had the, the Black Comic Book Artists Convention recently, and they do things for particular uh, anniversaries and commemorations. So it's a very, very special place. And then it's also right where the 2-3 the train is, which is an incredibly versatile subway system that can take you all the way to Brooklyn and into the Bronx. And, and so I, I use it frequently to go down to the, I take it to the village or to my therapist's office in Union Square. It's, it's accessible, so it's, it's very helpful. And then about half a block down at 135th in between Malcolm X and Adam Clayton Powell is the the Harlem YMCA, which is has been there for a really long time because some of their residents, well, one of their residents that I that I always think about is is Langston Hughes, the the poet, but also other other people during the the Harlem Renaissance stayed there, and and it's it's also happens to have a, a really good swimming pool and and a basketball court and a gym and and people do yoga and and dance there and it's 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 really special and a, and a great community um, offering for for the kids and the in the adults in the neighborhood so I, I I really enjoy that place and I feel very grateful that it that it's so close and how far then are you from the Apollo theater and the Harriet Tubman Memorial um, the Harriet Tubman Memorial I'm not sure where that is but the Apollo theater if I'm at the Harlem Y, then I'm only 
I'm only 10 blocks away. That's at that's at 125th at around 125th and Adam Clayton Powell, I think, or maybe Frederick Douglass. But that that's that's very close, and and that's really cool to live so close to the Apollo and and also the um, the the why just these these very very uh, famous locations that I I happen to read the. The most recent book by Colson Whitehead called *The Harlem Shuffle*, and it, it was it was really cool to to read about my neighborhood back in the in the fifties and and sixties, and and like I'm just a few blocks away, really from from Strivers Row, where where a lot of the the people lived during the Harlem Renaissance. I I think that I think that it's you wouldn't you wouldn't believe the the architecture of these buildings and also the fact that all of them had a, a section behind them where people would, would keep their horses and horse-drawn carriages and things. It's, 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 it's just a fascinating neighborhood. Are the, are the stalls or I guess barns for the, the horses? Yeah, yeah, in some, yeah. In some cases. It's hmm. hmm. really um, cool. Well, let's see. We've been we've been walking around your neighborhood. We've played some one on none. We've uh, <laughs> we've explored uh, some of the the iconic buildings. We've explored the architecture. Maybe it's time to get something to eat. Where should we go eat in your neighborhood? Oh, there, there's a place at at one twenty third. So it's past it's past the the street that the Apollo is on, which is on one twenty fifth, and it's called Indian Summer. And Summer. yeah, and they serve Indian food, and it's you take a, a a few steps down into their into their area, and they have an outdoor seating, and they have an indoor. The last time I sat outdoors, my wife Shade and I took our mailman Charles to to lunch. Charles is this this incredibly friendly man who's who's so kind and thoughtful and also a, a musician and and composer and so the last time we sat outside with with Charles and he he was absolutely delightful and and I always get the same thing I always get the the chana masala and they have okra in in and spicy and some Indian sauces, and it's really, it's really delicious. My my wife gets a number of different things frequently, salmon or lamb, uh, but I'm a vegan, so I I, I always get something in, on their vegan menu. But it's it's incredibly delicious, and and despite the fact that it's small, they they usually uh, are able to accommodate us at the, at the times we go, usually for lunch, sometimes at dinner, it gets very busy, but it's, a, it's, it's absolutely as, as good in Indian restaurant as I've been to in, in all my years of consuming Indian food. Hmm. Do you find it difficult as a, as a traveling comedian to find good vegan food on the road? That is a good question. I will say it's never been easier, but there are certain there are certain cities and towns where I've been relegated to eating 
certain vegan snacks and and protein bars from from uh, convenience stores. But usually, in any bigger city, there's at least one restaurant, and there's usually a, a Whole Foods. And Whole Foods usually does a pretty good job, at, at least in their salad bar, of providing some some vegan options. But I, I mean, I, I I am grateful that the time I came to, by the time I came to veganism, it was it was pretty mainstream, and and most restaurants have have at least one one item that can be made vegan. Mm. What are the toughest towns for vegan food? I think that. I, I think that I was limited in Omaha, Nebraska, and recently I was in Oahu. Oahu. Yeah, and that didn't have as many vegan options as I would have liked, but it had one of the best vegan meals I've ever had in, in my life. The only thing was it was one of these chef's tasting menus, so you can't... You can't afford to do that every night. I, I didn't understand what a chef's tasting menu was until that night, and it's just it's it's a it's a really a, a, a really special exchange between the 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 chef and the waitstaff because the waitstaff it reminded me of that movie The Menu and that the waitstaff was so knowledgeable about the about the meal and and explaining things. But it, it was it, it was one of the great um, restaurant experiences of of my life. Was it like the movie The Menu in that I watched it and became very upset? <laughs> no, okay. no, because I don't like remember the, that. Yeah, it was only like the menu in that the chef and the people who worked there had to have been very serious about the 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 food they were preparing and and serving not in a not in a scary if you don't like this we're going to make you disappear way right okay yeah okay do you think that veganism gets a bad rap in terms of people who are vegan going on and on about it is that fair or unfair i i came to it through a, a sentence in a in an essay by Peter Singer, and I'd known vegans for most of my adulthood, and none of them ever ever tried to push it on me or even make a, a case for it. I, I'm and I, and in comedy there are, there are three or four people I'm thinking of that are have been dedicated vegans for for as long as I've known them. And at no point did they even really mention any, any of the benefits or, or make any suggestions. So I think it's, I think it's kind of, vegans can hold up a mirror to people who are second guessing their devotion to animal proteins, maybe, mm. and maybe they feel bad or condescended to, but I, I've, I've, I've had people who were health food aficionados and experts during my lifetime try to get me to not eat certain things but I've never had that same experience with with vegans which is even 
in, in my estimation, a, 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 an even healthier option for, for a lot of people. Well, let's return to your New York neighborhood, which is a, yes. a haven for, for vegans. It's a haven for many things. Harlem is a beautiful neighborhood. Um, yeah. I can see on Google Maps that there is a restaurant called Uptown Veg. And that's yeah. located, um, I believe, on 125th and something. Yeah, that's really, that's really good. But I, I will say that I mostly, I mostly cook for myself in my, in my apartment. And I, I, I do find that it's, it's not as hard to cook vegan foods as I've it's I'm much more consistent in my vegan preparation than I ever was when I was making fish or chicken or, or anything like that. I've always cooked since I, I used to live on my own for a long time, but I, I really think this is much easier to, to prepare in terms of temperatures and, and things like that. But I, I don't, I don't want to do too much proselytizing. Okay. All right. Yeah. How long have you lived in your apartment? I've lived here since I think, May 25th, 2018. All right. Was it difficult yeah. to find an apartment like this? It was it was not that difficult. This was the third or fourth place that I that I looked at or we looked at when when I decided I was ready to move back to New York after my after my 11 month um uh uh, how would I put this sabbatical or uh, rehab back in in Peabody, Massachusetts, where I where I went to to uh, gather myself after after getting out of the, the New York Presbyterian psych ward. But I yeah, so this was one of the third or fourth. And as soon as I saw the the light and the view from the apartment, I was like, this is the place because I I knew that sunlight was really helpful in, in regulating my, my mood. And we get a lot of sunlight throughout the, throughout the day. Mm. What, what does sunlight do for your, for your mood? I mean, it, it's, it's interesting because I, I really don't know the, the, the chemical processes that well, but I, I do know that if I am lacking sunlight, or if I, I am. I, I remember one time being on a, an airplane that was going to Los Angeles, and everybody had shut their windows to make it dark so they could watch, they could watch movies on on twelve inch television sets. That when I got to Los Angeles, I, I was, I was noticeably. I wouldn't say depressed because I, I I could function and everything like that, but my my mood was much worse than it had been when I boarded that that plane, and it and it really threw off my my mood as well as my sleep schedule for for a couple of days when I when I got there. there there's just something, um, and I did read a book, a really good book that I would I would I would recommend to everyone about sleeping, and I just want to make sure I get the name right before I recommend it. Take your time. Okay. Uh, well, 
Why We Sleep, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, PhD. And it, it talked about the role that, that sunlight plays in, in regulating our sleep schedule and our circadian rhythm and how, how powerful it is. But I, I've, I've found that, that my, my mood, if I'm, if I'm subjected to several gray days, that, that it's, it's not as strong and I, I require, I can offset it by exercising enough and spending enough time with, with people, but it, it's, it's much better when I'm getting enough sunlight. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's explore your neighborhood a little bit more. Tell me about your local grocery store. Where do you buy your groceries? Well, we have two really good options, which for, for a long time, this neighborhood didn't have a, a grocery store, I'm, I'm told. That was that was as close as the one is now. But there's one at, at 139th and, and Malcolm X, and it's a Key Foods, and they have... They have just about everything we we need, and also, fortunately or unfortunately, I, I it's it's a double edged sword. There's a there's a Whole Foods at one twenty fifth. Mm. At one twenty fifth, there's a, a Whole Foods which has a a, a lot of the the, the more uh, esoteric forms of of vegan meats and cheeses, and and things. So that's that's very helpful because Key Food has has some vegan things. They have Amy's Organics does a great vegan pizza, mm-hmm. and they have a lot of the things we we need. And there's there's also a great fruit stand at one thirty fifth. That's that's really helpful to to have because their their produce is much more affordable and 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 comparable to what I get at, at Whole Foods and, and Key Foods. So the those those grocery stores I'm really happy to to have those in the neighborhood and and for for a vegan a Whole Foods is is almost like an, an embassy of 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 safety because there there are so many there's so many good vegan options there. Did I hallucinate or did you say vegan meats and cheeses at Whole Foods? Yes. What? Yes. What is what? No, I, I, I would say they're actually meat, meat alternatives. I, I should see. have, I should have said, yeah. So there's, the, there's the, there's the, there's a great collection of the Beyond series of, of alternative meats. You can get the Beyond burger. There are Beyond sausages in, in Italian version and a bratwurst version and there are beyond or there's a there's something called uh benevolent bacon there and there's there's a a great selection of vile life cheeses and there are some egg substitutes and it's just it's it's really a a a a nirvana for for vegans in my in my neighborhood and and one of the things that i i love to do is is find somebody else in the vegan section and and tout various <laughs> various uh, alternative meats that that I I don't know what it is I I know what it is actually it's it's that 
my, and I remember my doctor telling me this, that those, those little interactions with strangers during the day give you a, a little bit of a hit of dopamine. So to, so to share a, a favorite mm. vegan item in that, in that section gives me a little bit of, of dopamine and, and, mm. and it, it's very, very helpful. Are you a Satan guy? Not a Satan I do. Guy, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not a Satan guy, but I am a Satan guy. I really love Satan. I would have to say that's my, my favorite meat alternative. I'm fine with, with tofu. It's, it's very versatile, but it's not always prepared that, that great. But it, I, I really like Satan. And, and I also like, there's, a, there's another one, tempeh, that's, that's really good. There are, there are certain restaurants throughout this country who make great tempeh Rubens. And it's it's a, a really good. The thing is, is I'm I'm very lucky in that I don't really miss meat very much. Mm. I for for whatever reason I I I as soon as I found out that meat was was not that great for your heart, I think I I always felt guilty about about eating it. So so that that's part of it. And then when I saw there was this movie called. Food Inc. and I saw how they treated chickens, and I was like, oh, I don't feel good about eating this chicken anymore. So I, I, I started out as a vegetarian, and then I became a vegan. So that okay. that was my route. It was just what do you call it? Uh, New Year's resolutions in 2017 mm. and 2018. Do you think the Boston Celtics players would be winning more games were they to adopt a vegan approach? <laughs> that's that's interesting. Because a, a lot of athletes have adopted veganism, but some still are concerned about their their protein intake. I, I I think it was I think it was Kyrie Irving had become a vegan, and there were some other players of of his level who had followed suit. But I think I always say if you eat one vegan meal a, a week, it is both helpful for your for your body as well as the environment. So I, I, I tell people to maybe try that, but I, I try not to do too much, too much uh, pushing of it. Basketball player Chris Paul switched to a vegan diet at the oh, age wow. of 34. Oh, that's impressive because he's had a very, very long career. Yes, had a long career. Um, yeah. Several other NBA players, too numerous to mention here. Oh, that's cool. Do you have a favorite season to walk around your neighborhood? I would say I don't I don't think so because I'm I made this this uh choice years ago to spend whatever I had to to be warm during the winter and so I I don't mind being out in the cold weather. I can't play basketball in it so that that would take it away, but I do play basketball at the Y at the winter. So I, but I would say my favorite season is is right now. I love the time going into summer when you still have summer ahead of you and 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 uh, the winter behind you. So I would say today was was just the ideal day because one thing you notice when you play basketball outside is that the the wind is a is a consideration, and I notice that one team who plays on the right or left sometimes suffers because the wind is blowing in the opposite direction and their oh. and their shots are their shots are off and they try to make adjustments but it's just it's very difficult. 
do you play one on none at at the Y, or is that exclusively a playground thing? Oh, I mean, the times I go, it's usually just me and one other person, and so sometimes I'll play one on one with that person. There was there there have been two people I've had really interesting experiences with playing one-on-one. One was a kid who was uh, 14 years old and and he would beat me so badly. And then he had to stop playing because I didn't, I didn't realize this. He was skipping school to play basketball at the Y and he got, and he got caught. So he stopped, he stopped oh going. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. 14 years old. And you're very, yeah. very tall also. You're yeah. six, he, six, six, seven. Yeah, six, almost six, seven. But here's the thing about the basketball that's played all over New York City. You'll play against somebody and you'll swear they're the greatest basketball player you've ever seen. And you'll ask about, ask them what their history is in basketball. And they'll say, well, I played a, a little high school basketball or I played um, some intramural in college. They're just so talented. And the other great experience I had playing basketball at the Y was there was this young man and he was wearing a, a Manhattan School of Music t-shirt and I said are you a student he was really great at basketball he was beating me badly hmm. I said are you a student he said I'm 31 years old and I said okay I can no longer keep track of how old anybody is <laughs> and then I said are you a musician and he said I'm an opera singer and then we got to talking and I told him I was a comedian so he came to a show and then I got to see him perform, I think it was Elijah at Carnegie Hall, the, the opera Elijah at Carnegie Hall. And he had one of the main parts and he was, he was as my wife put it, breathtaking. It was just one of the, the greatest things I've ever seen. I'd never seen an opera live in my in my life. And I and I must say you don't have to know anything about opera to be awestruck by it. That's beautiful, isn't it? Yes. Gary Gullman, what are you going to do to get ready for bed this evening? Well, I, I always take my medication before bed. So that's one of the biggest things. And, and I'll, so I'll have a, a snack and, and take my medication about an hour and a half before I'm ready to fall asleep. And the other thing, of course, is to, is to brush my teeth. Right. Well, I'm sure you're looking forward to to doing those things, and uh, I hope you sleep well. I hope the spooning goes well with Sade. Thank you. uh, I hope you have a beautiful night's sleep. Gary Gullman, good night. Thanks so much, John. It was great talking to you. Well, sleepyheads, I hope you enjoyed learning about Gary's neighborhood of Harlem as much as I did. You know... Something I like to do at the end of my day is make a mental catalog of things that I experienced and or learned that day. If you don't mind, I'm going to make a list of takeaways from my conversation with Gary Gullman right now while it's fresh in my mind. One, if I wish for kids to wave to me, I should dribble two basketballs past a school. Two, I would like to invent my own basketball game with a catchy title such as One on None. Three, 
If you go to the restaurant Indian Summer in Harlem, get the okra, though the salmon and lamb are supposed to be good too. Four, reading Peter Singer might make you turn vegan. Five, read Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker for a better understanding of why sunlight is so important. And six, talking to strangers at Whole Foods could give you a dopamine rush. <sighs> okay, well, I'm going to turn in myself. Thank you for sleeping with me and Gary Gullman. Follow Sleeping With Celebrities on both Twitter and TikTok using the handle sleepwithcelebs. Or on Instagram, the handle is sleepwcelebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs. Our email is sleepwithcelebs at maximumfun.org. Social media assistance provided by Charlie Moe we get music from the Winterbowers. This show was senior produced and edited by Laura Swisher. Swish. That's the sound of somebody making a successful one-on-none basket as well. This program is a production of Maximum Fun and Papa Chick. I'm John Moe. Night-night. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist-owned. Audience supported.